The physical world as we know it is changing. Ever wonder why it feels like it's always 75 degrees in November now? Wildfires, melting glaciers, high gas prices, climate change. Every day, more and more Americans are scrambling to find ways to be more sustainable and attempt to do their part in this changing world. One not-so-new way people are trying to do their part? Simply riding a bicycle. Greetings, Earthlings. Welcome to Here You Are, a history podcast from the University of Rochester. My name is Henry Suchman, your episode host. Join us as we examine the complicated history and surprising overlap between the environmentalist movement and biking culture in Western New York. This is Here You Are, Season 5, Episode 5, The Rise of Everyday Environmentalism, Rochester in the 1970s. Bicycles. Fun objects you can easily ride around to avoid traffic, get exercise, and help the environment. How could there be any issue? Well, politics. Yep. For this thing that might seem so simple at first, there was no shortage of polarization and debate. In local governments all over the country, there were, and still are, ongoing debates about infrastructure and traffic laws related to bicycles. Notably, pollution was a major environmental concern during this time period, and Rochester was no exception. Much of Durand-Eastman Beach had been washed away by high waters, and there was high demand for more bike paths and recreation centers. We're joined now by local cycle tour guide and author, Harvey Botsman. Did you feel like there was kind of an uproar of change during the decade you were here in the 70s? Or did you feel like it was often complacent compared to the bigger cities like New York? I think there was an idea of change among some segments of the population. You have to remember that the large businesses dominated everything here in Rochester. Before we dive into the decade of hippies, disco parties, and Earth Days, it's important to understand just where environmentalism stems from. The concept of environmentalism, a political movement organized around the protection of the environment, has roots dating back to the Romantic era and the Industrial Revolution. In this period, people struggled with the byproducts of industrialization, as smog and dust filled streets and bombarded lungs. In response, some people fled the city in search of a pure, more natural way of life. A century later, the world had changed, and so too had environmental thought. Not only did people continue to seek refuge in nature, they began to organize around its protection. Pollution crises proliferated everywhere. From the infamous 1952 London fog, killing more than 4,000 individuals, to the Cuyahoga River catching fire in 1969, fear was sparked like never before. And of course, one of the most impactful events in modern history, the 1969 Santa Barbara oil spill, in which a massive 3 million gallons of oil were leaked into the California coast. We're joined now by historian Professor Thomas Fleischmann to provide some insight into the development of this time period. So, to start us off, let's talk about the 1970s. There was so much going on during this decade, it's almost hard to know where to begin. The world that we live in today was made in the 1970s. Everything from the geopolitical configuration of the world, the economic order that uh, persists to this day, political movements from, of course, environmentalism and civil rights and decolonization, but also terrorism, separatism, neoconservatism, evangelical white nationalism, all these things are beginning in the 70s. This movement is taking place all over the world. 
uh, alongside a general trend in youth movements opposing power uh, within their societies. How would you say this philosophy evolved into the environmentalist movement? The environmental movement, however, came to identify the ways in which that economic growth, a model that was dependent on cheap energy, in this case cheap oil and fossil fuels, but also the built world and environment of highways, economies that are oriented towards heavy industry, meaning the production of steel and automobiles and heavy machinery, uh, but also the rise of consumerism, meaning the idea of an economic sector of the society that is organized around the consumption or buying of things. Environmental activists coalesce around the critique of society that says that these things are destroying the earth. What were some of the main ways that people tried to have a personal, positive impact on the environment? What you would see are organized campaigns against littering, trash pickup came prominent in the 70s. You would see political demonstrations using various tactics. And how would you say biking specifically fits into that? The reason why bicycles fit into environmentalism is it's a really natural outgrowth of the student protest movement. Some of the earliest breakthroughs for environmentalism are these mass demonstrations. Of course, Earth Day is the most famous. So it seems like in many ways during the 1970s, the essence of environmentalist culture was truly becoming integrated into aspects of mainstream society. And guess what? Just like today, there's one major relevant issue that never seems to go away. High gas prices. The year is 1974. Rochester bike sales are at an all-time high, skyrocketing 10 to 15% from the previous year. People are waiting months just to get their hands on a two-wheeler. Just one year later, Americans bought 10 million cars and 14 million bicycles. What on earth is happening? The real major shock, and the one that's most famous, is the oil crisis of 1973. Uh, which was a result of the Six-Day War between Israel and several neighboring countries in the Middle East. And so you get these sort of rolling waves of inflationary forces that are upending the economy. And this leads to this acute shortage in the West. You see these lines uh, of um, cars waiting to get gas from gas stations that are running out of gasoline. And so people start to turn to bicycles. Environmentalism and increased demand for bicycles were seen throughout the nation. What about right here in Rochester? One of the biggest components of this was the so-called Bicycle Task Force. Have you heard of it? Of course I'm aware of the Bicycle Task Force. <laughs> How did you know about the Bicycle Task Force? For those who may not be aware, the Rochester Bicycle Task Force was composed of citizen volunteers and representatives of local governments or safety-oriented agencies, and it was established in the summer of 1974 after a petition signed by 5,000 people was presented to the county legislature. What do you think inspired the Bicycle Task Force? I, I think it was just to have better facilities, not environmentalism at that time. One of the first things we said that had to be done was to have bike racks within the city of Rochester. And you can still see some of those there. So did it seem like the task force was mostly successful or popular with the public? Or did it feel like there was more of a controversy around it? The problem with the bicycle task force is that they never had enough input 
to make enough roadway changes. It was very active, and, and people tried to do this, but the uh, local, the Monroe County particularly, but also the city, was not open to putting in facilities of any type. We've examined a variety of history and local policy debates in Rochester. But let's be real. None of this means anything unless we really address the human element to it. To that end, we'd like to introduce Roger Levy, the owner of Freewheelers Bike Shop here in Rochester. My name is Roger Levy. I own Freewheelers Bike Shop on 1757 Mount Hope Avenue. Since the age of 31, I am now 68. So I've been here 37 years almost. We know that students have traditionally led social movements and looked for change. Do you have a lot of students as customers? Students, faculty, and staff, they're the ones with the money. <laughs> but I have an awful lot of uh, repeat business from people I've known. At the same time, we had a lot of people interested in living off the grid, as it's called now. People wanted to grow their own food. And so bicycling just fit in really well with that. Amazing. What got you interested in the greater bike community and really staying with this occupation for a long time? And then we moved into the city. I went to a city high school and I became political. I got very upset with the state of the overpaving of America, the environment. And so I didn't want to be part of the car culture. It's interesting to note how there's this mix of motivations for people to commit to biking. As we know, the bicycle movement definitely corresponds with environmentalism. It really picked up during the 1970s. So related to that, do you remember the first Earth Day, which took place on April 22nd, 1970? That's the day this store opened. The original owner coincidentally happened to start on that day. Wow, that's incredible. <laughs> it's like it was meant to be. Thank you so much for your time. It's been wonderful speaking with you and having the chance to hear the perspective of such a dedicated local voice. Roger gave us a distinct perspective of someone who has spent their life focused on the crossover between environmentalism and bicycling. It's inspiring to hear about someone who is so dedicated to the cause. But was bicycle culture always so clear-cut? The environmentalism movement was certainly present in Rochester, but its specific history here is a bit more varied and unique with these big businesses at the forefront. Could you elaborate on that? My motivation for biking was that it was a fast form to get around the city at that time. There were far more people in, in the city of Rochester and more traffic, particularly going to the large businesses. There's uh, a lot of more industry than there certainly was, than there is now. So do you feel like these large industries affected the bicycling infrastructure debates and the development of environmentalism in the city? It had nothing to do with environmentalism. It was just purely, we want some sort of facilities which would allow us to move through the city, through the county at some times, but basically through the city, to work, to where we were going to work from where we lived, easier, faster, without being hassled by uh, drivers, pedestrians, uh, anyone else. Hmm. 
So it seems like, from your experience, Rochester might have been slower to develop or for there to be progress in the environmentalist movement due to all these other factors. But I also have to ask, for you personally, why bicycles? And how do you view your relationship with the environment? This was a fun thing to do. It was something else to do. That you could travel this way and see more and encounter more things by using a bicycle because you're open to the world and to people and people do not see you as a threat plus you you are interacting with as much not only the elements rain wind uh snow <laughs> you you were also in encountering just a, a different way of transporting yourself and moving that's great to hear so even though the development of bicycling here in Rochester might have been different, it certainly still had this personal resonance with individuals. It's interesting to note how, even if one doesn't consider themselves an environmentalist, there's still this undeniable element of wanting to connect with the world around us. Harvey, thank you so much for your time and for this creative insight. So where do we go from here? Do we have to consider ourselves strict environmentalists to make progress? And how do we balance something like that in a city environment? Well, it ultimately comes down to our humanity. As living beings, we are naturally inclined to care about our environment. Sometimes we just need a reminder or a method to do so. But it really is fascinating to see how we can go from a topic as seemingly simple as bicycles to examining political thought and city infrastructure to understanding more about the human condition. I certainly think striving for a better environment starts with rekindling your relationship with nature. Even in a city environment, biking offers a unique perspective on interacting with the world around us. Whether it be passing by people and seeing the humanity in the world, or passing by trees and experiencing the beauty of nature, it's no surprise so many cyclists aren't giving up on the fight for our planet. I guess one of the most wonderful things about being human is having different perspectives. We all see and enjoy the world a little differently. We're able to reach the same conclusion a dozen different ways. At the end of the day, no matter how you frame it, humans have the desire to coexist with the world around us. Environmentalism has turned into somewhat of a buzzword in our current culture and carries a certain connotation with it. It can often be seen as a highbrow or a moral choice, and thus is off-putting to many. But make no mistake, Loving your neighbor is environmentalism. Caring for your culture and community is environmentalism. Caring for the world around us is at the root of environmentalism. Roger and Harvey are both amazing souls who found the same conclusion along different paths. Though at times it may seem we are divided, I urge us all to look around and explore the fact that we can agree and care while maintaining our own identities and perceptions. Who would have thought for this snapshot in time it was the bike that could bring us together? And now, today, in a world that feels just as unsure as the 70s, if not more, it's amazing to see individuals, both old and young, take a stance on what they believe in and do their part to care for our community. Here You Are is a podcast created by students at the University of Rochester. This episode was produced by Maria Albahar, Henry Suchman, and Sam Caldwell. Our engineer was Sam Caldwell. This episode was written by Henry Suchman and Sam Caldwell. This episode was performed by Henry Suchman. 
We'd also like to thank Thomas Fleischman, Roger Levy, and Harvey Botsman for their interviews. The executive producers are Thomas Fleischman and Stephen Resner. This season was made possible through the financial support of the Department of History and the Department of Audio, Music, and Engineering. Special thanks to Jasmine Myers and the team at Hopper, who hooked up the Here You Are team with complimentary bikes for a historic tour of the city. Hopper is a micro-mobility company offering on-demand bicycle and scooter share in cities including Rochester. More info can be found at gohopper.com. Thank you as well to Jesse Pierce, our tour guide, multi-episode guest, and the cycling manager at Reconnect Rochester, a cycling advocacy group working to build a more sustainable transportation infrastructure in Rochester. More info can be found at reconnectrochester.org. And finally, be sure to check out the other episodes of Here You Are Season 5, Cycle Paths, at hereyouare.com.